This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday, April 25th, 2019, Check the Beating the Book Podcast. It's Gil Alexander. Warren Sharp was on the show last episode to talk strength of schedule right after the release of NFL season win totals at CG Technology, the first shop to release NFL season win totals for the 2019 season. Well, now we know who plays who when. Time to dive deeper. NFL strength of schedule 2.0 with Warren Sharp on today's Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander, broadcasting only on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Analytics, statistics, and more are used to win wagers, and Gil has every number you need to cash your tickets. Now, live from the VSIN studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. Our number two of a numbers game right here at VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Series XM Channel 204, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Bubo TV, Sling TV as well. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parles is here. Uh, let's do a little football. A little more than 24 hours away now from the uh, 2019 NFL draft. We'll get into that with uh, Pete Futak coming up momentarily, his favorite draft props. Uh, first, though, the man himself, um, not only uh, the guy who runs SharpFootballStats.com, SharpFootballAnalysis.com, and can be followed on Twitter at SharpFootball, but a gentleman who uh, made his appearance in the action docuseries as well, alongside our friend Bill Krakenberger, is Warren Sharp, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning to you, Warren. Hey, good morning, Gil. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How was that experience for you, by the way, the action series? Um, I mean, the, the uh, experience itself of the filming itself up at uh, up in New Jersey was, was a good experience. Obviously, let, let me uh, see Crack again. In person, uh, we do a lot of our working uh, during the season and off season uh, over the phone. So it was good to see him in person and be able to talk to him for a little bit. But uh, yeah, you know, as you know, because you were on the show, they they film for like three hours and use like three minutes. But <laughs> that's um, right. That's that's to be that's to be expected. Um, so yeah, a, a good overall experience sitting there with those guys. 
Warren, that's showbiz. That's what they tell me. That's how that works, apparently. It uh, is. Before we get to uh, your strength of schedule comments, because I know you went on a uh, on a torrent of uh, strength of schedule tweets this morning, I want to talk to you about some interesting tweets you had. I found them interesting anyway. Uh, and I always say about you, uh, as good as you are on game-by-game analysis, one of the things you're underrated for is your analysis of roster construction. And I found this Chiefs-Seahawks trade to be a very interesting prism through which to look at that. So uh, the Chiefs released Justin Houston this offseason. They trade D Ford, not because of ability, but because of money considerations and the fact that they are maybe saving up for some contracts they got to they gotta worry about in the future, most prominently perhaps Tyreek Hill, and we know how that goes now. Uh, and then they're switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3. And so with all of that sort of as a backdrop, yesterday the Chiefs um, – trade after trading D4 to the Niners and a first round uh, they traded for a first round pick yesterday for Seattle's Frank Clark not only that but they give Clark a 5 year contract 63.5 million dollars guaranteed though that guarantee number could prove to be smaller once we get full details here but essentially when you look at Ford's contract he costs San Francisco just $33.5 million guaranteed. So it's not that the Chiefs believe Clark is worth D. Ford plus a first-round pick. They actually believe Clark is worth D. Ford plus first-round pick and $30 million, basically, is what we're saying. But your prism here, I think, is, is, is the smart one, which is looking at it from the Seattle perspective. With And here's your tweet now, Warren. With Russ under contract, Seattle gained four comp picks in next year's draft by letting guys walk, including a third and a fourth. They couldn't pay Clark... $105 million. So instead of a messy holdout, they got a first and second in return. That's how you stack the deck in your favor with a big money quarterback. Now, the next tweet, and this is where I want you to, to, to go off on here, Warren, is we've talked about this, you and I, before, that you win Super Bowls either with a Hall of Fame quarterback or the Seattle way, the quarterback on a rookie contract. And you're suggesting here now that while Seattle sort of perfected that, they may be perfecting a whole new thing here. Explain, please. Right. So they've got to figure out this brave new world for them, which is how are we going to create a competitive roster with a quarterback that's taking up $35 million of, of cap space, a quarterback who we're paying, what is it, like $160 million over four years, something along those lines. So. Uh, it's uncharted territory for them and for any team in the league. If you look around the league, nobody's paying a quarterback as much as they're paying Russell Wilson. So, uh, you know, some people are coming up, well, the Patriots were able to do this and that. Well, the Patriots, like Tom Brady, hasn't been inside the top 10 in cap hit in a long time. So the Patriots and Bill Belichick don't have to worry about this problem. Seattle has to figure out now how are we going to win games with a quarterback taking up this much cap space because once the 2011 CBA came along and they signed Russ in 2012, they all of a sudden were able to attack aggressively. They hit on a couple of drafts and they weren't paying their quarterback much so they could build the roster around him. Well, now you can't do that. You're in the exact opposite situation. Um, So I believe what they are doing is letting their big money guys walk out the door instead of spending a bunch to resign these guys you know, we'll see. They don't have any very many draft picks this upcoming draft. So getting a couple of draft picks, they got a first this year, they got a second next year, is valuable. So that's what this trade accomplished in part. Now they have two first round draft picks. The total first round draft picks that the Seattle Seahawks had from 2013 to 2018 was two. That's six years they had two first round draft picks. Jeez. In 2019, they have two. 
Now, will they take one of those and trade down and try to bring in a few more players um, as a result? Possibly because they only had, I think, entering the trade four picks. But the end result is they need to build up their roster, which lost, I mean, everybody defensively that was uh, a well-known household name. All the Legion of Boom obviously is gone. They need to build up that roster, and you're not going to be able to build up a roster with fifth and sixth and seventh round draft picks and expect to hit on those. You need those top three to four round draft picks that have a much higher hit rate. Uh, And now they are going to have those with the first this year, with the second next year, with a third and a fourth from comp picks next year. So they have this arsenal, this incoming war chest of higher value draft picks that they're going to be able to turn into players. And all those players under the current CBA will have very cheap rookie deals. It'll get them four years of of a cheaper salary that they can get excellent play out of them, presuming that they hit on these guys and that they're higher round draft picks, which is what what they've accomplished in this trade. So from a Chiefs perspective, Warren, and this is where I, I oh, full disclosure, I said to my producer, Jeff, before, before the show, I said, here's where Warren, who is much smarter than me on these kinds of things, might disagree with me. But I texted my buddy yesterday, who's also a keen football observer, and I said, from a Chiefs perspective, I go, they, they got rid of Houston, they trade Ford, and then they trade for Clark, they give, up the, they give up first, and they have to pay him all this money. I get it, they're going to a 4-3, I get it, they're changing... But when you look at it like sort of big picture, doesn't this look like just poor GMing? What am I missing here? Well, you know, the, the, the Chiefs are in the same position that the Seahawks were several years ago when Russ was in his rookie deal. So they're in this position where much like the Philadelphia Eagles did and much like the L.A. Rams did, they can bring on key impactful players because their quarterback's not occupying a lot of the cap space and because they need those different makers. And I think what they, what they envisioned is with, with Ford, for example, he can't play the end like their new de- defensive coordinator needs him to play. And they're switching schemes, and he's not going to be able to play with his hand in the ground. So they needed somebody who was going to be able to do that. And their run defense was terrible last year, and Ford is an upgrade on the run defensive perspective. So I, I sort of understand why they made a move like this. Um, I don't love spending huge contract dollars, but if this guy is going to produce on the field and prove worthy of it, that's to be determined. So I can't say they're spending too much on him right now because I don't know what he's going to actually produce. He may very well earn all of that money. With the cap continuing to rise, with a quarterback on a rookie deal, it's not the end of the world to make a move like this, especially with the guys that have left your building um, and, and the scheme that you want to implement. This guy's a great fit for it. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I just think it's a, it's a bigger win for the Seattle Seahawks with their projected future because they have the big money quarterback. How the hell were they going to build around him? Well, boom, here's a great way to do that. Avoid the messy holdout, get these draft picks in there and be able to spend them. Hopefully they don't trade down too much. Hopefully they get a couple of good guys towards the top of the draft that will make an impact for them. So I think it's a bigger win for the Seahawks. I think it makes some sense for the Chiefs, uh, but time will tell more than anything whether or not Clark earns that money. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Warren, let's uh, – and by the way, of course, that doesn't even get into a whole discussion of, you know, they, they, they let Hunt go and they, they decided to believe in Hill, and that's a whole other discussion for another day. Uh, as far as strength of schedule goes, you and I talked a few weeks ago when we when season win totals first came out at CG Technology. It was the first time we could look through that prism at your way of, of analyzing strength of schedule for the upcoming NFL season. Now we know – uh, who's playing who when. We have the week-by-week week schedule. And so this produces a whole nother sort of torrent of comments from you. Where would you like to start on this? Well, I think the first place to start, you know, a lot of people question the usefulness and the utility of analyzing strength of schedule this time of year because they have heard me in the past say that using last year's win-loss records is moronic, uh, but they haven't fully bought into using future forecasted strength of schedule at this time in April. What, what's the point? These teams are different than they were last year. And I think that's a great place to start because, yes, they are different, but there is a correlation element here that we can utilize and gain some utility from looking back at last year's schedule and examining what the team is going to face this upcoming year. Uh, one of the interesting things that, obviously, the way that I look at strength of schedule, first and foremost, if you're looking at total schedule, is I like to look at, uh, season win totals of their opponents so we can get a better understanding of the overall quality of this opponent schedule in 2019 based on what we think these teams are going to be like in 2019. There's another way you can look at it, which is kind of like looking at all the efficiency metrics from 2018 and pushing them into 2019. And by that, I mean, you can look at what a team is going to face in terms of pass defenses in 2019, just by looking at first cut, what do they face in 20, what are the defenses rank in 2018 that they're playing in 2019? Now it's not a perfect world, but there is a correlation there. 0.33 is the correlation factor that it correlates from year over year over the last five years. And uh, net and net takeaway on all of this is that when I look at strength of schedule based on win totals, which is kind of the, the thing I came up with six, seven years ago, whatever it was, and you look at the strength of schedule based on efficiency of these opponents, what it found is that 20 of the 32 teams actually have a forecast 2019 strength of schedule by the two different methods that are within three position ranks. For instance, the New England Patriots. Based on win totals, I show them having the easiest schedule uh, this upcoming year. Based on opponent efficiency, I show them having the 30, the easiest schedule. That's a, a comparison there two. It changes between from one to three. That's a variance of two. Most of these teams in the league are within three ranking spots, which tells me that these two methods that I'm using are very consistent and interchangeable for the most part. The key with strength of schedule is always looking at those extremes. So there are some teams like the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers who, based on win total, have a much easier schedule than what efficiency ends up forecasting for them. And there's a team in particular, Carolina Panthers, who based on win totals has a much more difficult schedule than what they do But when you look at their schedule based on efficiency. So I think the underlying thing is just looking at is there utility in discussing strength of schedule? And the answer is yes, 
And there's multiple methods to use strength of schedule where you're looking at efficiency or win totals. But what you definitely don't want to do is look at 2018 win-loss and look at those 16 games just from a win-loss binomial perspective and then forecast 2019 strength of schedule from that. Yes, because that is lazy, if nothing else, that's for sure. Uh, And you point out in your tweet here, the first one, of your strength of schedule tweets that based on total efficiency, comparing strength of schedule faced in 2019 versus last year, the schedules that ease the most would be uh, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Cleveland, Philly, Pittsburgh, and the schedules that get the hardest, the Texans, the Bears, the Colts, the Packers, and the Falcons. All there at Sharp Football from Warren Sharp. Warren, let's uh, take a brief break here. I want to come back and want to talk to you about, because I'm involved in something that is dynamic, a sort of stock market of NFL teams where you can buy and sell as a, as a year goes on. So I'm always very curious as to what schedules get hard at the end, what may start out easier. We'll get into that next with Warren right here on a numbers game at VEASAN. This show derives its support, as always, from bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years, where their first opposed lines have the highest limits and never, never kick out winning players. That's what they pride themselves on. Their motto, where the lines originate, because chances are your book uses their lines. That's the truth about bookmaker.eu. It is key to my betting experience. I would not bet without them. You grab onto them, you will thank me later, I promise you. Right now, you can visit bookmaker.eu slash gill. That's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. We'll get you an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. You don't get it right away. You're like, where's my bonus? Hit me up. I'll make sure you get it. promise you that. It's bookmaker.eu slash gill. It's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L to join and claim your exclusive bonus of up to $300 right now. Betting replays, betting in-game, the greatest in-game menu you will see anywhere. It's the place to be, bookmaker.eu slash Gil. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. This segment brought to you by PointsBet, New Jersey's premium sportsbook. They have the best promos out there, including an amazing offer for the NBA playoffs. All you have to do is place a money line bet on any NBA team, If your team is up after the third quarter, they'll pay out instantly, even if your team goes on to lose. Be sure to sign up with the code VSIN, and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. Again, that's code VSIN. Don't miss out on all the action. Download the app on iOS and Android today. New Jersey only. Must be 21 years of age or older to bet. Additional terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Points bet. Stay sharp. Speaking of sharp, Warren Sharp here on the show uh, on a numbers game. Kind enough to join us. Uh, this morning for a little strength of schedule 2.0 talk, and you can follow him at Sharp Football on Twitter. And Warren, uh, once folks go to Sharp Football, they can go to your Twitter to look at all this stuff, or they can go to Sharp Football Stats for all the visuals. Yeah, everything's up at Sharp Football Stats, interactive visuals that lets you choose up to 35 different metrics that you can view a team's schedule, like visually. Uh, week by week, looking at their opponents that they're faced based on what those rank. Um, and you can find it if you go under like, the offensive menu down at strength of schedule at the bottom of that. I also list it for defensive strength of schedule as well. So in case you want to look at what do what offenses is a defense going to face and what a lot of people like to use this for is fantasy football information. But as we both know, this type of information is obviously very important for sports betting as well. For sports betting as well, for some of the vehicles that, I, that I'm betting in, your, your last couple tweets uh, I want to get to because the, the second to last one from this morning, that is, um, talking about 
just what you were just saying right there, which is about offensive strength of schedule weeks one through six. You just happen to put out that visual right here. And what you're saying is the Ravens run game could smash early in the season. That's one of the headlines. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely a way that you're going to be able to use this information to try to help forecast, um, you know, how, how good a team could be based on different units of the ball early in the season. I think we both know getting out the gates early is something that a lot of teams is very important to get started on the right track. And, you know, the Baltimore Ravens face a tremendously easy schedule of opposing defenses, especially run defenses to start the season uh, based upon their rank in, uh, in 2018, they're going to face, in succession, the Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Five of those six teams rank bottom 10 last season in terms of run defensive efficiency. The Steelers were the only team that ranked above the bottom 10. So they're going to be in a very good situation. It's going to help Lamar Jackson out because yeah, he does struggle to throw the football a little bit. Their passing game is not that dynamic. And so they'll be able to sort of ease into that probably uh, a little bit in 2019 by the fact that they're going to be able to rely a lot on their very aggressive and, and difficult-to-defend run uh, attack. So that's something that they're going to have an edge for. It's also interesting to note that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – will face the easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses hmm. in 2019. And as we both know, we've got Bruce Arians moving down to Tampa Bay. Yes, they lost to Sean Jackson, but Bruce Arians running his offense down in Tampa Bay should be interesting for us uh, when we're examining some of the pass defenses that they're going to go up against to start the upcoming season. The only one that's really difficult in that mix uh, from last year, at least, was the L.A. Rams under Wade Phillips. They were a top 10 pass defense, but everybody else is, uh, I guess there's, they're all borderline bottom 10. One is bottom 11, but the rest are all bottom 10. I'm putting you on the spot here, Warren, so forgive me if uh, we don't know the answer to this offhand, but I'm always fascinated by the team or teams that start out with a gauntlet schedule. I remember last year it was the Giants, who, even if you were bullish on the Giants, what I would keep saying is, Look at look at these strength of schedule stats from Warren. Like their first seven to nine games, I can't remember exactly if it was seven or nine. They're lucky. To, I think it was seven. And I kept saying, I go, they're lucky to come out of this two and five. Like so, even if they're even if they're better at football this year, like they're dead in the water by midseason, no matter what it would seem by the schedule. Do you, is there an equivalent to that this year? Uh, well, the Oakland Raiders face by far the most difficult schedule in the league to start the season. Um, if you look at who they play, they've got to go up against the Denver Broncos, Kansas city chiefs, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Chicago bears. Now, obviously the Denver Broncos, a team that is, is a decent team, but not really playoff contention, probably this upcoming season, but all of those other teams certainly are slated to make the playoffs this upcoming year. And three of the four made the playoffs last year. So no team faces a more difficult schedule over the first, they have a bye week six, but over the first six weeks, nobody faces a more difficult schedule. Um, but they, they overall have a very difficult schedule, uh, difficult schedule to begin with. Um, just if you're looking at their overall schedule. So they're not a team that suddenly their schedule is going to get a lot easier uh, but they are a team that is going to get 
that, that whose schedule is going to get a lot um, is going to be difficult just off the jump. A team like the Houston Texans is another team who's got a very difficult overall schedule. They got a very difficult schedule to start the season. I think a team that's uh, in the mix that is going to get a lot easier after the first early slate um, is the uh, Detroit Lions. That's a team who starts off much more difficult, but whose schedule is going to increase tremendously down the stretch. Um, and a team like the Indianapolis Colts as well. Uh, their schedule, they don't have an easy schedule this year, but to start the season, they've got one of the, I think it's the fifth toughest schedule in the league, and then it does lighten up a little bit after that. This is such uh, great information for uh, those of us who have some other types of gambling vehicles. We use, we're, we're betting teams dynamically through the season. It's good to know the ebbs and flows of those schedule. And we close here, Warren, with your fi- your most recent tweet, which is isolating the final six weeks of the schedule. Let's sort of reverse this now. And uh, this is great for pe- for people, among other things, who like to bet, say, futures, you know, midway through the season. This is very helpful to know what are the schedules, at least for projected playoff teams anyway. You have those isolated here. What are those uh, of those projected playoff teams? Who has an easy stretch late? Who has a tougher stretch late? And you've got uh, the Rams, Steelers, Eagles, Browns, Falcons, Packers, and Ravens among the uh, the teams with the easy push. And then uh, no no good news here for the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Niners, the Chargers, or the Panthers. Love this stuff. Yeah, and I think the Atlanta Falcons are an interesting team to discuss because they have overall their schedule is not an easy schedule. They, they've got a bottom 10 schedule in terms of most difficult schedule. But they do close the season at least over the last six weeks. They get the Bucks twice. They get the 49ers. They get the Jaguars. We'll, we'll see what the Jaguars look like with Nick Foles. Um, and then they get the Panthers and the Saints, two divisional opponents, good, decent opponents. But both of those games are in Atlanta. During that stretch of six games, they also host three consecutive games. They play all of their division opponents in consecutive weeks in Atlanta. Week 12, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Week 13, the New Orleans Saints. And week 14, the Carolina Panthers. They only have two road games. Uh, they also get to host that unfamiliar opponent in Jacksonville, uh, that, that unfamiliar opponent of Jacksonville in Atlanta. So those all are very beneficial for the Atlanta Falcons, and the first part of their schedule is one of the more difficult in the NFL. So that's a team to be aware of, especially if they start off slow, they're not doing well, uh, of a team that could catch up on those win total bets later in the season or could offer some type of in-season value uh, if you like what they're doing, but they're just losing some close games. Warren, I lied. I have one more question. I know you're not a NFL draft Nick where you're like, oh, this guy should go here and this guy should go there, or, you, or you're doing mock drafts. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you on your way out here, just as a sort of general statement from, from your vantage point, do you have a draft pet peeve? Do you have something that you look for when you observe an NFL draft? What's like your big headline every year? Yeah, it's difficult to really say who wins and loses these things. I think it's very easy for people to come out and suggest that they know, but we really don't know how these players are going to turn out. What I don't like is teams that go and reach for players to fit a certain scheme, to fit a certain mold of what they're looking for. Instead, I think they more teams should be going out and getting guys that are capable of winning in the rules that are constructed for the modern football and then adjusting the way that they 
build their team, call their plays, et cetera, around the strengths of who they have on their roster. I'm not saying go best player available every single pick that you're taking, but there's far too many teams that are going to reach in the first, second round of the draft for certain players because of perceived needs or desires to fit a certain mold, and they're really giving up value and passing up opportunity to take players and they just need their coach to say, look, I'll coach this guy slightly different. I'll call slightly different plays on this side of the ball. And and then they would be able to incorporate better players on the field uh, if they utilize that strategy. Imagine that, Warren, absolutely conforming your game plans to the strength of your own personnel. As a guy who grew up on uh, Joe Gibbs in D.C., I say a big amen to that, who won uh, three Super Bowls basically adjusting to the different personnel that he had. Warren Sharp, at Sharp Football on Twitter. That's where sort of acts as a gateway to all of his other stuff. Sharp Football Stats, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Warren, appreciate it as always. We'll put it in podcast form for those who didn't miss, who uh, weren't able to hear the whole thing. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Gil. Warren Sharp, best in the business. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free this is tracy v wilson from stuff you missed in history class the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.